Hey, Crack fans. Before we get to today's show, I want to let all of you listeners know about the revolutionary work being done by our friends over at Swing Vision. Now, all of us as tennis players are constantly searching for that piece of information that's going to give us that one, two, three percent edge whenever we step onto the court. We want to know, am I hitting my forehand with enough depth? Am I accurately placing my backhands? Am I employing patterns on the court that are putting me in an optimum position to experience success? Thankfully, all of those questions can now be answered via the app produced by our friends at Swing Vision. Folks, it's extraordinarily simple. You're going to download the app. You're going to turn that app on your phone. You're going to put your phone on the back fence, the back curtain of whatever court you're playing on. You're going to hit record. And then using artificial intelligence, Swing Vision is going to break down your performance. If you click on the link that you find in the podcast description here on today's episode, you'll go right to the Swing Vision website. And of of course, friends who use our Crack Rackets promo code CRACK20 are going to get an additional $20 discount and a free 14-day pro trial on the Swing Vision app. Again, you use that promo code CRACK20, $20 discount, as well as a free 14-day pro trial. How do you find the link? To get signed up, just go back to your podcast feed. It's in the podcast description of this episode. You go to the Swing Vision website, you set up your account, you download the app, you get rocking and rolling, get all the information one location with our friends at Swing Vision. Welcome back, Crack fans, to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we are joined by one of the standout performers of the 2022 ITA kickoff weekend. It's Texas A&M junior Noah Schachter joining me on today's show to rub my face in some dirt as not only I, but all of our Cracked Rackets experts picked against the Aggies to advance to the national indoor finals. Of course, the Aggies play host to UCLA and Arizona, dropped just one point in those two matches on their way to clinching a spot in the final 16 in Seattle. I wanted to talk to Noah about the weekend. I wanted to talk to him about the flipping of a page, a new era of Texas A&M men's tennis seemingly beginning this season. And then I wanted to talk about Noah's history in the sport because for those of you listeners unaware, his first summer at Saddlebrook, summer 2013, which was a lifetime ago, almost a decade ago. Boy, is that sad to say out loud. I actually got the chance to meet Noah when he was that young kid first at Saddlebrook as I happened to go there that summer to hang out and you know get some training in myself and we explore that time we talk about life at Saddlebrook what it's like at that age to be homeschooled to be traveling week after week month after month and then of course ultimately wanted to ask him why a guy with so many different options ends up choosing to go to Texas A&M what was it about Coach Denton Coach O'Shea that you know uh, about the uh, and the program that he gravitated towards it is a fantastic episode that I know all of you listeners are going to enjoy and a huge thank you to Noah for his candidness his willing to do this uh, willingness to do this on such short notice some of you may recognize the first nine minutes of this interview that's because it was featured in our ITA kickoff weekend recap episode of the deciding point our GSP episodes recapping week in week out action happening across the college tennis world but again huge thank you to Noah 
know all of you listeners are going to enjoy this episode. Of course, if you'd like to hear more about the ITA kickoff weekends, head on over to our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. You can see the outstanding work being done by our super producer, Daniel Westoff, in turning that show into an actual television sort of product. Seriously, can't believe how well he's done. You're missing out. As great as we sound via podcast, we look even prettier and that much better uh, via the, the stream as well. So come join us on our YouTube channel again. That's going to be every Tuesday for the women at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, every Thursday for the men, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're going to recap kickoff weekend and certainly talk about the AM Aggies. But you didn't want to hear the plugs. You came here to hear from Noah. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here is my conversation with Texas AM junior Noah Schachter. Joining us live on the show now, one of the standout performers of the ITA kickoff weekend, a man who is also not shy in telling and sharing his, I will say, affinity for proving me wrong over the course of the past weekend as well. Of course, you may know him best as a standout performer, number one singles and doubles player for the Texas A&M Aggies this season. Welcome on to our show, Noah Schachter. Noah, congratulations on a fantastic weekend, my friend. More fun, the actual winning on on court or the dancing off of it afterwards uh for sure winning on court but it was definitely a fun idea that we had making that video so and they were both really fun yeah no it was awesome to see and obviously awesome to see your team compete this weekend and look i'll eat the crow right away did i pick you guys to advance no i did not when you lose people like a vashro like a habib like an aguilar i think justifiably people will wonder well what does this version of the team look like well, now you guys not only earn a decisive 4-0 win over UCLA, but 4-1 over Arizona as well. What have you learned about your team over the course of these first few weeks of the season? I think we just have we have such great depth. And honestly, um, like you said, losing Bastro and Beeb and Aguilar is, is a big loss. But everyone on this team can still play. And I think we're all just super hungry to, you know, to get out there and prove people wrong. And we we believe that we can still do really well in the biggest matches. So, um, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's only one weekend, but I think we showed a lot of people that we're still a, a really strong team. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, you're a fourth year junior now, but you, you've been around college tennis. You know uh, what to expect, match in, match out, and you know the preparation, the energy level that it takes to succeed. Uh, I just want to start with you know your performances here uh, at the start. You obviously get back to back wins at that number one double spot, and you know I'm curious for you and Austin, which I believe is a new team here this season. You know what's clicked so well for you guys? You're now top fifty, you know ITA ranking in the country, and you know for you guys, big win. Over over UCLA I know I think Arizona got you but you know what tone have you guys been trying to set at the top yeah we're just well first of all we're just super good friends we live together we came in at the same class so that always helps we have such great chemistry on court and then Austin's just a really unbelievable doubles player he has a huge serve and really explosive on the court so he's really fun to play with and um, yeah I just try to be solid and make a lot of balls and we just have fun. Yeah, I mean, it, the crowd really helped us this weekend in doubles. And, um, yeah, we're excited just to keep going. Mm-hmm. Did you guys – I mean, look, I'll just ask you. Did you expect to take the doubles point? Like, did you guys feel pretty good heading into the weekend about where you, you know, Coach Denton had you guys at? Yeah, we practiced a lot of doubles uh, before the weekend started. And, um, obviously, UCLA and Arizona, they're both really strong teams. So, we there was no guarantee. But we felt that we had a good shot. And, um, yeah, we just, I mean, one set of doubles, no ad, anything can happen. So 
you know, how it is. So we just, you know, played with lots of energy and luckily it, it went our way. Mm-hmm. Two and three over Drew Baird against UCLA. We'll get to the clinch against Sieverts because that's, that had to have been fun. But two and three over a guy who, you know, not that much younger than you and highly touted recruit, highly, you know, esteemed and a lot of pedigree for him and success he's had throughout the course of his career. What clicked for you? And again, to be a junior going up to that number one spot for the first time, not saying you weren't prepared for it, but mentally, what sort of jump was that? Yeah, it was a, definitely a big jump. I mean, I played most of my career at line four or five. And, um, you know, I just tried to, you know, believe that I could, you know, be there. And um, I actually have known Drew for a super long time. We used to play doubles together um, for a lot of ITFs. So he's a super nice guy. I, just, I knew I had to play really well. And I was fortunate to win a few deuce points early on and break his, his serve. And yeah, I played super solid. And I don't know, I just, it was actually a, a pretty packed crowd. And, you know, it was, a, it was just a really fun atmosphere. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and then you guys get the job done, and obviously for you guys, get wins, you know, uh, doubles, one, four, five on day number one, and you advance against Arizona, and knowing that Arizona team like I do, they come out with energy. They're fiery, they're feisty, they're going to try and smack you around, and obviously they get you guys at that number one doubles position, but talk to me about, you know, that number three, that finish there to get that 7-5 victory. What sort of momentum does that build for your team? And you talked about the energy, how, you know, how big was that Aggie crowd? You know, how, how packed were things for you guys in College Station this past weekend? Yeah, we probably had a few hundred people all packed onto that one court of doubles. And um, we had Julio Grego down there and Rafa Perot, and they have been playing unbelievable in practice lately. And they were just, they went out swinging in that match. And I was super impressed with how they played. And getting that doubles point, it just really helped us going into singles, all relax. Um, I mean, we just, I think it was a point that we felt like um, we could take from them, especially because of we've been practicing so well and how we played against UCLA because um, we knew just how strong they were in singles. So when we got that point, I think all of us realized like, wow, you know, we can we can beat this team. So. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously for you guys, I'm curious because I know Mathis Ross, who uh, got a couple of wins on the victory, he's a sophomore, but, you know, that's a huge performance from him at that number four spot. Do you look at him and say, hey, you're doing me with pride. Like, that was my spot. I appreciate you doing it with honor. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mathis, <laughs> he's, one of the, he's one of the best players on the team, in my opinion. Um, he actually had a lot of success last year at Virginia Tech. Um, and... He can. He's one of the player, players that I think can beat anyone at line four. So I wasn't surprised at all. Um, he's a super hard worker, and yeah, I was just super happy for him. Yeah, I know. And I mean, again, for you guys, you found a recipe: doubles, one, four, five. And I know you and Gita are two of the returners on this team. And you know, even though there aren't that many freshmen per se, it's a lot of new faces for you guys. And so, you know, do, do you two talk before, you know, I'm not to ask you to speak for Guido, but for the two of you as the returners and just, do you feel an extra burden of early in the season? Like, Hey, we got to show the guys the way. And then ultimately for you, I mean, I saw you dance your way into that ITA kickoff. What's it mean for you guys to get that victory this early in the season? Yeah, we just try to lead the guys the best we can. Um, you know, we know that we've had probably more experience playing than all the other starters on the team. So we just try to relax them, you know, like we know how tough it is playing down low at five and six. So we, I mean, Guido still plays down there, but he's <laughs> the rock down there. But um, we just try to, you know, relax the guys and say, like, you know, no matter what happens, you know, like it doesn't change how we, how we feel about you. And 
Um, we believe in you guys and we just all try to, we just try to play fun, uh, play together. So it just worked out and how we finished both our matches, but I think on all courts, I think we had chances and we were actually winning on court six as well. Both days with Julio, um, Rafa had some tough matches, but he played really good players and Pierce was also in both of his matches. So I was throughout one through six. I think we were in every match. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, for this team, again, everyone's playing in a new spot or, you know, except for Guido, I guess, but everyone's, you know, it's a new team. It's a new environment. You guys are trying to acclimate yourselves and, you know, form that cohesive unit that helps everyone achieve more. Some of its parts, you know, all the cliches. Um, what does this weekend do? Just, you know, to be candid, this was, I don't want to say unexpected, but now you're going to the national indoors. You're in the final 16. What does this do for the team's confidence? How do you build off this over the next couple of weeks? Yeah, I think it helps our confidence so much. Uh, honestly, I mean, we had no expectations going into this weekend. We just thought, you know, we just thought, you know, we're, we still thought we were a good team, but we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And um, obviously going to national indoors is such a big achievement for us. But, uh, I mean, the best teams in the country are there, and we have no indoor courts really, so we'll see how that goes. But um, we still believe that we can do well. and. Uh, surprise some people but yeah it's gonna be such a fun time there so what do you guys do do you just take the basketball court at college station you're like we're gonna make this a tennis court for the week we're gonna play indoors or is it just all outdoor prep and, and getting ready for it it's mostly all outdoor prep we actually have these three covered courts about 15 minutes away sure um it's not but the thing is there's no heating involved so it's still really cold <laughs> in there but uh yeah we find we find a way so. that's good no i'm looking forward to it. well again what's give me one reaction coach denton locker room after the match is he yelling is he dancing as well because that would have really made the video if i would have seen him drop to the ground no steve steve's not really the dancing type anymore <laughs> but uh no he was just proud of the way we competed um he didn't have much to say. He was just super, super proud of us. Um, Kevin O'Shea as well was super pumped and always throwing his hat when we win and stuff. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, they're great coaches, great guys. So they were just super excited for us because they know how hard we've worked. So. so with kickoff weekend out of the way, Noah, I want to talk about you and, you know, do you remember this? Maybe, maybe not. Perhaps your mom has told you because I've talked about it on the show before. I want to take us back. Let me think. How old would I have been? So this is 2012. It would have been summer of 2012 going into 2013 or 2013 was, going to 14. 2013. Yeah, 13. I was going to say it was one of those two summers, 12 or 13. So you do remember. Um, but, you know, I happened to come down to Saddlebrook and do a little training on myself and I think those were the moments where you start to realize all right I'm not going pro but it's just a really nice way to get in shape and right before our high school season all these different things and you know there's this 11 12 year old kid who's really really talented and everyone's like oh you got to go play this kid I'm like all right what's his name and they're like oh it's Noah Schachter I'm like all right I'll go play him 11 12 and I'm like whatever you better freaking win this match you have gone through puberty but you know all of that is to say obviously you're at Saddlebrook 11 12 you're taking tennis seriously. It's been a part of your life from the get-go. What ultimately led you to head over to Saddlebrook at such an early age? Yeah, well, I moved that actually that summer that you were there. That was my first summer there. Um, Mine too. A, so <laughs> it's good, yeah. My mom got a job at uh, University of South Florida. So it just it worked out really nicely. There was you know an unbelievable academy right there. Um, so we moved down as a family and yeah, there was just I was surrounded from 
from the start by unbelievable coaches and players. So getting to see pros from such a young age, it, it was just a, an unbelievable experience that I'll always remember. So it just, it really helped me develop as a player and, you know, always, always training outside. It's just, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. And did you immediately, again, go the homeschooled route and just do everything full throttle at Saddlebrook? And, you know, if so, what, what led to that decision? Well, Saddlebrook, they actually have a school right? Um, yeah. for tennis and golf. So I was actually doing that um, all five of my years there, except for the last year. Um, I was kind of half online, half sure. in school, but it was super cool. They were super flexible with me traveling to ICFs and nationals and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it was just a cool. I mean, it wasn't like your normal school experience, obviously, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it was a fun time. And, yeah, I never thought that. You know, I was missing out because I had school. So, mm -hmm. at what point do you get sick of the Saddlebrook Dining Hall? Is it like day two, month two, year two? Actually, the food there is pretty good, but I was <laughs> I was lucky. I lived with my parents, so I sure. you know they they made food for me a lot. But a lot of the kids there that live on their own, yeah, I mean maybe they get sick of it, but to be honest, <laughs> yeah. the food there is pretty good. So, yeah, no, it's awesome. And again, you talk about all the traveling you're able to do, and you know, I'm curious. What that, you know, you talk about not missing out, and obviously that's great to hear, but I'm curious what that life of travel on the road is like, and how frequently are you going? Is it with coaches? Is it with your parents? What does that look like? I'm curious, because I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there who are either parents about to take their kids through that, or kids about to experience it that themselves. Are you traveling, would you say once a month is how frequently, at least twice a month to these tournaments? What does it look like? Yeah, I was probably traveling twice a month, uh, probably playing a sectional and then they, they had these designated tournaments. They were kind of level five Florida tournaments. And I would usually travel with a coach and a few other players. Um, Sean Burnett, he was like always a top Florida junior. I was, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I traveled with him and, <laughs> and Matt Gordon, obviously that, you know, and um, yeah, we've, I mean, I've traveled with all those guys a bunch of times. So probably twice a month. Yeah, I would say. Give me the Matt Gordon on the road story. I, I need to know more. Obviously, Matt Gordon, current as, uh, assistant coach at Kentucky. By the way, how he didn't like, I guess Draxel was his package deal. He's like, okay, we're going to go to Kentucky together. I'm surprised you weren't his package deal because wasn't that like you're the, he's there your whole time. Well, the thing is, I actually he was still at Satterbrook when I was getting recruited. Gotcha. Um, he was um, still one of my main coaches there at Satterbrook. So, um I, I had committed to A&M and then I think about a month or two later, he had gotten a job at Kentucky. So it was kind of funny that we were going to compete against each other every year now. But uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, he matured a lot, actually. I mean, throughout the years, he was always uh, so fun to travel with. I mean, I traveled a lot to ITFs too with Liam uh, Draxel and Ryan Getz. So super competitive practices all the time with those guys and um yeah it was a super fun time matt pushed us to be better players also pete billingham he was at uh he's at pepperdine now he was working with us there's um yeah so it was just a fun time i don't know I, there's not one story that sticks out but sure no i mean matt and pete again were my coaches at saddlebrook too that week i was there and like to have them both be I, – so I, I've obviously had the chance to chat with them subsequently. And I'm like, Pete, I know for a fact you don't remember me. He's like, no, I do, I do. I'm like, dude, you had probably 10,000 kids during your tenure at Saddlebrook. I promise you one non-notable tennis player you don't remember at all. But I just have to – I'm just curious because, again, 
you know, I'm probably the age now, 26, that Pete and Matt are when they're taking you across the country and doing all of these things. And I say this lovingly about them and about myself. Like at 26, you're still trying to figure out, okay, how do I take care of myself? Like how do I stay in shape? How do I make sure I am up in time to wake up Noah and do all of these different things? The reason I bring all of this up is I'm sure there's a degree of self-sufficiency you have to learn when you're when you're traveling that frequently and you know all those sorts of things is, is that a fair assessment like are there things you think you had to learn more quickly to kind of get yourself up to speed and be ready to do all the traveling that you did oh yeah for sure i mean it helped, definitely helped me mature as well you know doing all that stuff um you learn quick you know that what you what works and what doesn't work um and also i mean i was lucky enough to be around some older guys to travel with in the beginning when I was 13, 14, that kind of helped me. Um, and also just having good, a good support base with coaches and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you learn really fast at these academies, you know, what works and what doesn't, how to travel on your own, um, how to be professional, but it's all, it's all fun as well. So Mm -hmm. when did you hit six foot six? And the reason I ask, I don't, I don't know if you're actually six foot six, but you know, when I saw you, you were a little pipsqueak. And like, you know, let's be fair, puberty was always going to happen. But like, was there a moment when you had to make a transition from a game style perspective, where you're just kind of because I remember again, you were this little grinder, and like, guess what? It's Florida, twelve, thirteen. That's how everyone's going to play. But now you're not twelve and thirteen, and now you know you play number one singles, and you're you got to play some big man tennis. When does that transition begin to happen to you? Well, it's, it's still happening, honestly. Yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, um, I'm just so comfortable making balls and, and running all day because that's what I grew up doing. But um, I can only imagine, by the way, the you and Draxel practice sessions. It's just like, what are we? We're going five hours here, six hours? Like, just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. Let's just say there is a lot of trash talk, you know, <laughs> back in the day. There is a lot of trash talk. But honestly, yeah, it made both of us better. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to work on becoming a more aggressive player. And um, I mean, I have to playing at, at line one. There's just too many good players up there. If you leave the ball short and just grind, I mean, even at lines four and five, what I was playing, I mean, I was still losing, you know, hitting the ball short and running. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get better at playing aggressive and at kickoff weekend, it definitely helped me win my matches. So. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. No, and I mean, look, you were always a blue chip sort of guy and always, you know, top 50, top 40, 30, whatever in your class. Um, again, I feel like that junior, senior year was probably a little weird for you because you were, are growing, game's changing, you know, you're having some great results. I'm pretty sure your last year, I have 43 and 9 in front of me, uh, in your final year in juniors, which like, what, you couldn't go 43 and 7? Like, no, 43 and 9, ridiculous. Um, Talk to me about the recruiting process. Uh, how do you end up visiting Texas A&M? How do you ultimately end up deciding on them? So it's actually a crazy story. So I was actually, like you said, I was always, you know, a relatively good junior. Um, I ended up breaking my my left wrist. Um, so I was for a period of three, four months, I was just slicing all my backhands and I was still playing tournaments. 
Um, and also my results kind of dropped down, obviously, because I was just playing with a one hand, a backhand. And some coaches kind of stopped recruiting me and stuff. And I was just like, wow, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like all these top schools that wanted me have kind of just kind of pushed me away. And some I got an I was working with kind of a mental coach guy at the time, and he had known Steve really well. And so he said, you know, like, I'm just going to give him a call and see, you know, see if he'll talk to you and um, ended up uh, getting a call from Steve and talked with Kevin on the phone. And he said, he'd come watch me at Kalamazoo. And at that point I was still like slicing 50% of my backhand. So like, I wasn't confident with my left wrist and he was still like super happy with like how I was out there competing. Like, and so, yeah, I just like, I came on a visit and I, and I just fell in love with like everything that the, the team had. I mean, we had unbelievable players at the time and it just worked out as well. There was a bunch of guys graduating um, the year before me, like uh, Rinderneck and AJ and Jordy. And we didn't know if Kipson was going to stay. So I, I thought, wow, I mean, I would, have, I would have a good shot of starting my freshman year. So everything kind of just worked out. Mm-hmm. You talk about that Kalamazoo. I got to ask. I'm pretty sure you come closest to beating Brooksby of anyone in that 2018 yeah, Kalamazoo. That was- that was actually the year after where I was already committed, my final yeah. Kalamazoo. Um, yeah, I remember I played really well on the first set against Brooksby. And uh, I had set point serving at 5-4. And he came up with, like, some silly passing shot, like, back in angle, of course. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I just remember the guy just would not miss the ball. And I remember after the match, Steve and Kevin were like, you know, like, you had him. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, he was just – he was everywhere. But uh, – <laughs> Yeah, that was a fun, fun match. But yeah, I, um, I, and I think I made a run in the back draw as well after that. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking at it here. Yeah, I, know, I think you made a nice run all the way through final round of the back draw. Which, by the way, hey, great shot to you, pretty impressive. But you know, you talk about joining an A and M team, and for listeners that don't know, because I'm pretty sure your first season's eighteen nineteen, right? You joined that fall, and so uh, twenty seventeen eighteen. Texas A&M makes uh, an NCAA semifinal run, to your point, and that's a team that has Arthur Rinderknecht, who, you know, playing at the number two spot crazily because Kipson is playing at the one spot. You got Arcanada, you got Contanza Reedy, you've got a young Aguilar Vashiro Habib trio just kind of like floating there on the bench. The point being, you joined a roster that was coming off of a massive run of success and obviously a team that's now competing in the SEC conference as well. What's that transition like for you? Because as you mentioned, you know, you're playing in the lineup pretty much right away. Four or five singles, you're thrown to the Wolves. I'm amongst a group that obviously has expectations for themselves. What was that transition like for you? Yeah, it was tough at first, um, to be honest. I mean, everyone you play in the SEC or I mean, I remember my first week I played Henrik at four uh, kickoff weekend. And like Henrik had been one of the best college players you know, down low for that Virginia team. I played them at four and I was like, just, I mean, this, the level is just super high, no matter where you play in the lineup. And you're just not really used to seeing that in juniors. Um, so it was definitely a big uh, wake up call, you know, to keep getting better. And, you know, I had my ups and downs uh, freshman year, just kind of struggling with like confidence and like, it's tough, you know, you're used to being like kind of like one of the best players at Satterbrook, you know, for years and years. And then you go there and then there's, there's Vashiro and Barnaby Smith and Aguilar and Habib. And, you know, they, they're, you know, guys that can beat you day in, day out. So um, I just, it was tough at first, but it definitely made me a better player. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and obviously, you know, you guys take some lumps in that uh, 18-19 season, and uh, I think you guys' second round was it that year to Oklahoma or something like that, and so, you know, that season – Things are what they are. But then, you know, I really – I loop 2020 and 2021 together because for so many rosters it ends up being the same team. And you guys are 12-4 and four through whatever at the start of 2020. And, you know, you bring that whole group back into 2021 and, you know, with a roster like you guys had. And I'm pretty sure – because if memory serves me at the end, like right before the pandemic hit, you guys beat Florida 4-3 at home. And I remember watching that match and being like, all right – here come the Aggies now. And then, you know, play is canceled. How frustrating a moment is that for your team, for your program, especially to beat that Florida, like given that year? Because at the National Indoors, lovingly, you guys blew it against my Wolverines. Like you had that match in the bag and just like the frustrations from that to be able to beat the Gators and then have the season stopped. What is that like? Yeah, we still talk about it today. <laughs> yeah. that, that 2020 season, Um it was super frustrating because we were all healthy at the time and playing well. and Which, like, never happens. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Bastro was undefeated at the time. Habib had just beaten Riffis, playing unbelievable. Um, uh, we had Guido and Barney both healthy down low. I had just clinched a match against Florida. We were on a roll. We'd beaten Kentucky, South Carolina, and Florida, which were two, three really strong teams already, and – at this point, I don't think Tennessee was as strong mm-hmm. as they were last year or Georgia. So we felt that we had like a pretty good shot of running the table in the SEC. And obviously just to get shut down, it sucked because we all wanted to, to win the SEC and stuff. But we still had an unbelievable chance last year as well. Like you said, we had the same team. Um, but we just kind of got unlucky with injuries. You know, Barney was out the whole year. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Hottie had a herniated disc for half the year. Carlos was on and off. Um, Guido was on and off, like, with injuries. So we just had like, a bunch of stuff that we, I mean, like, you, as you probably know, we had some kind of fluke losses, I would say, um, just because we were just people playing higher in the lineup, people coming back from injury, kind of a little rusty. And so our, our ranking definitely got affected by that. Um, otherwise, in my opinion, I think we would have been a top four, top five team and not not have played Florida in the Elite Eight. Um, but they Florida was just a little too good last year. And, yeah, but it was still super fun. Well, I'm, I'm, it's interesting to hear you talk about last season's injuries because there were so many for your team. And it did feel like for, like, an hour against Florida, it was like, oh, so this is the Texas A&M team. If they're fully healthy, man, would they have been right there with these kids? Because it did feel like for 15 minutes in that quarterfinal match, like, oh, my God, when, when Aguilar starts coming back against Andrade and just, like, it's like, oh, my God, and and I'm just going to win this match. Like, what's happening here? And, you know, you talk – not what's happening here. would have been a credit to you guys. But, you know, you talk about all the injuries last season. I'm pretty sure you led the team in matches played. And I'm pretty sure, you know, you were the guy who would just felt like match in, match out. Well, we still have Schachter in the lineup, so we start there. We'll figure everything out. Do you feel that burden at all last season? Not, I don't want to say being the only healthy guy, but being that, you know, the king of longevity, we'll say, it, for the rest of your team. Yeah, to be honest, it definitely put more pressure on some of the guys that were healthy. And just knowing because, like, knowing sometimes before a match that I had to bring my point because yeah. we had just so much inexperience, you know, guys that hadn't played before. I mean, 
Um, so, but thing is like, I knew that we had such a good team, but at the same time, it's tough when you have Habib and Aguilar injured, you know, and you're playing against, you know, a great top 25 SEC team on the road or something. Um, but yeah, it definitely, I think it hurt us in the long run just because we just didn't have that many matches all together. Um, especially when you go up against teams like Florida, like, you know, you just, you need everyone clicking. So it was and we, we still, we almost had it, you know, like you said, we won the doubles point and stuff and SEC tournament, we were really close as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was up a break in the third against Bicknell and Hadi was up a break in the third against Riffis and we were up three, two, we ended up losing both those matches. So we were right, we were right there in the mix. We just, you know, we couldn't get over the, the hump. So. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, so you talk about those matches. I mean, I, I wasn't there for the SEC tournament one. I know how close that one was, though, watching from afar. I will ask you this. If there were two rain delays instead of seven, or if that match starts at, I don't know, 9 p.m. instead of 1 a.m., you guys beat Florida at the NCAA tournament? I mean, what, what are your takeaways from that match? Because, again, for that group, it did feel like the sort of send-off Hattie and Vashro and Aguilar all deserved, right? Like, it did feel like you guys went out playing your best tennis last season. Yeah, I mean, I think after we won the doubles point, I really thought like, wow, like we're gonna we're gonna pull this off. Like this is like, I mean, the doubles point was crazy. Like Bjorn Thompson hit like some ridiculous oh, half ball. Yeah, it was just nuts. Yeah. And like, I think Florida like they played an unbelievable doubles point as well. And like we knew going in that like that was an important point for us. <laughs> and getting it that way, we thought like, oh my good. And then, then after the first rain delay, I think we were all in still like middle of the first sets, and I. You know, I thought our path, I thought our path, I thought Vashro was going to have to beat Valet just because he had beaten him before. Not and But I knew that was still going to be an unbelievable tough match. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, I thought we just had to find other points. You know, I knew Hade and Riffis was going to be a battle. Every match was going to be a battle. And I knew Bicknell was kind of, he kind of owned me last season. He beat me three times last year. So I was like, you know, that was a tough one for me. But uh mm-hmm. You know, I thought at one point we had it. We definitely, if you had paused the match at one point, I think Vastro was up in the third, Aguilar was up in the third, and Guido was up in the third. Mm-hmm. So, like, we definitely had a path to four points. It just, um, Florida picked up their level and played really well at the end. Valet played on, I had never seen him play that well at the end of that match against Vastro. And yeah, it was just super high level. So, yeah, no, Duarte hit another level. I actually think that was the first match where Riffis woke up too and was like, I need to play. When he took that first set against Hattie, you're like, all right, there's Sam Riffis. Like, where's he been uh, for this NCAA tournament? But yeah, and again, for your team last year, clearly, you know, it feels like, I don't know, I want to ask you this question because I talked about it with Coach Denton in the offseason. It did feel like there was a connective thread from like the Rinderknecht teams and you know that NCAA championship all the way through last season because Vastro, Habib, Aguilar, you know they were as much a core of that 18 team as anyone else. It it feels to me from the outside like we have flipped the page and that a new era of Texas A&M tennis has started. Dare we say the Schachter era or the Guido era? However, you guys want to talk it. Does that feel that way on uh, amongst your team as well as you look at this season? I know, you know, again, it's guys who have competed in college tennis before, but does it feel like it's kind of a new era right now starting this year at Texas A&M? Yeah, for sure. I think um, just the, the way we do practice, the way we do matches, just our, our routines, everything is different this year. Um, I think that, um, 
you know, the other guys that left an unbelievable legacy at A&M, but you know, it's so at some point it has to end. And we, like, I'll just hope that we can do as well as they did in leading the guys. Um, I mean, I think Vasho ended up with the all time wins record. I don't know. I don't know if <laughs> yeah. that record's possible, but um, yeah, we're all just trying to, you know, fill in their shoes, which is super tough, but it's definitely a new, a new vibe, a new culture. Um, but it's, it's exciting. So. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And again, it was exciting to watch you guys compete. Uh, again, as you look towards this season, I don't, I don't want to say goals because I think that gets a little cliche, but you look at this group. It's a very young group. It's a group where I believe everyone has the option to come back to campus next season. And so with that thought in mind, how do you, you know, I don't want to say, do you view this as a rebuilding year? Because that's not right. But what are the goals for this season? What are the principles you guys are trying to establish as you compete in what should, again, be a loaded SEC conference? Yeah, we're just trying to take one match at a time, honestly, because we just know what happened last year where we kind of overlooked some teams maybe. And, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't say we overlooked them, but we kind of went in a little injured and we got beat down by some teams on the road um, in the SEC. So we definitely know that we cannot do that this year. Um but yeah, we're we're just trying to take one match at a time, and like we did against UCLA and Arizona, um, you know, our our thing is if you just just take care of the guy in front of you, you know, and trust that if you take care of your guy, that good things will will happen. So that's kind of our motto: just just take the take out the guy, the guy in front of you. So I like it. All right, Luke, Julio, Stefan, they're all walking by. You've got your tennis bag, and you're saying, "Freshman, grab my bag." Which one do you ask? Definitely Luke. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I like to hear because I feel like this is the first time. And again, not that you were young last season. It was your third year on campus. But like Vashro, Aguilar, all those guys, they were old. And so like now you're the upperclassman. That's got to be a little weird. Yeah, it is. It is weird. But I mean, I kind of like it having like a little little bit of power over the young guys. But uh, who gets to do you get to do the playlist at, at practice now? It's like, hey, we're setting the music. Ask Schachter what's he, what he wants to hear. Yeah, for matches, I have the playlist now, which is which is I've been waiting a long time. I you know, I finally get the I finally get to sit shotgun and, you know, like usually like all the seniors would sit shotgun, like I've always like been behind them. So yeah, yeah. now it's it's nice. I get all those privileges. So. Yeah, it's a big jump for you because, like, you were probably third row no matter what because there were just so many of them. And now it's like, Shaq, you're in the front and you're, like, instinct. You're like, no, I'm I'm third row Shaq. And it's like, no, 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 in front seat. But, yeah, that playlist, it's a burden and a blessing, my friend. Um, but, you know, with that in mind, I know you got weights. So my last question for you, as fans and college tennis fans everywhere watch your team compete this season, what do you want our takeaway to be? I want us to be the grittiest team out there. I want fans <laughs> to know that we're going to fight every last point and, you know, and maybe we'll have some bad dance moves as well at the end. So, <laughs> Well, would it, would it help you guys if I keep picking against you? Because I'm happy to do it if it does. Yeah, please. We love it. We actually love it. We enjoy it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Noah, uh, I am immensely grateful for you and your family's tolerance of all of my nonsense over the years. Obviously, on a personal note, you know, because I remember our ground stroke games. I remember playing at Saddlebrook and crushing an 11-year-old because that tells you about me. Um, but, you know, I always enjoy watching your success. I do. I'm not supposed to be biased. I'm definitely biased towards Team Schachter. And so, obviously, rooting for your success, rooting for the Aggies, and wishing you guys safety and health uh, throughout the course of the season. Thanks so much, Alex, for having me on. It was such a fun time. So Yeah, of I'll course. See you in Seattle, hopefully. 
Yeah, no, and don't be a stranger. Always welcome back on the show, my friend. Take it easy. All right. Thanks, Alex. Appreciate it. Hope all of you enjoyed my conversation with Texas A&M junior Noah Schachter. A huge thank you to Noah for taking the time to chat. Again, this was an impromptu ask. I was like, would really love to have an Aggie on our show. Noah's like, yeah, no problem. Would be happy to come on. So a huge thank you to him uh, for taking the time to chat. And again, as I mentioned at the end of the podcast, obviously greatly appreciative for all that the Schachter family, not just Noah, Mrs. Schachter in particular, who I've had the chance to speak with and who's dealt with plenty of my nonsense and has been a longtime crack racket supporter. So a huge thank you to the Schachter family for their continued support. We're obviously wishing Noah and his team health and success throughout the course of 2022. But where does Noah's teams go next? To Seattle for the National Indoor Championships. And of course, if you want to know the 15 other teams joining the Aggies in Seattle, you're going to want to listen to our ITA kickoff weekend recap. Of course, we're going to post those episodes on our Great Shot podcast feed, but you can also come watch us live on YouTube as each and every week we're going to recap men's and women's college tennis action. The women every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time, the men's Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We hope all of you will join us on those shows. Super producer Daniel Westoff, who as always has a f*** of an editing job to do here on this show, just kills it day in, day out on our YouTube channel. I'm serious. This show... I, I like laugh as we're doing it because I can't believe the graphics and just how professional he's made it all look. So if you are a college tennis fan, don't miss out on our episodes on The Deciding Point. Again, women every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Men's every Thursday night, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, although those times will be a bit more subject to change than on the women's side. But again, we're trying to cover all aspects right now of the tennis world here at Cracked Rackets. You missed anything from the 2022 Australian Open. Of course, you can catch up on it all on our mini break podcast feed. I am live in Cleveland for the remainder of the week for the Cleveland Challenger. If you want to hear about the action happening there, head on over to our Great Shot podcast feed. And, of course, all of that content available on the website, CrackedRackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, our mini break podcast feed, Great Shot podcast feed, our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on anything. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at CrackedRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at A.L. Gruskin. With all of that said, for our fantastic guest, Noah Schachter, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Swing Vision, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You've been listening to another edition of the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 